hot flashes, vaginal dryness, painful sex, low libido, recurrent urinary tract infections, weight gain, insomnia, orgasm? What orgasm? Menopause is a very special time, and I'm betting you've not gotten a lot of information from your own doctor. I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, a clinical professor of obstetrics and gynecology, the medical director of the Northwestern Medicine Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause, a practicing gynecologist, best-selling author, and a nationally recognized menopause expert. My mantra has always been, if women are given good information, they'll make good choices. And I'm here to give you the inside information on all things menopause. Today, I'm talking testosterone. When it comes to testosterone, hairy guys with round-the-clock virility come to mind, thanks to those nonstop ads warning men of the dire consequences of low T. Not as well known is that testosterone is also important for women. Testosterone, in combination with estrogen, is responsible for libido, along with an enhanced capacity for arousal and orgasm. And while most women are aware that the vagina and vulva are loaded with estrogen receptors, it's not as well known that testosterone receptors are also found in vaginal and vulvar tissues. Just like estrogen, testosterone plays a role in vaginal lubrication and arousal. In short, testosterone helps make women want sex and experience great sex. But it's not just about sex. Testosterone also plays a role in bone health, muscle tone, cognition, and mood. In other words, Testosterone isn't just an important sexual hormone for both men and women. It's also an important human hormone. Testosterone, like estrogen, is produced by the ovary, but not by the same cells. So at the onset of menopause, when estrogen production winds down, the ovary continues to produce testosterone. But testosterone produced by the ovary only accounts for about half the production. The other half of testosterone is made in the adrenal glands. This is important because if a woman has a surgical removal for ovaries, she will no longer produce estrogen, but she will still be making testosterone because of that adrenal contribution. And like men, testosterone levels in women will decline as a normal consequence of aging. But interestingly, even though levels decline over time, not everyone has problems or even notices the difference, since the specific level does not necessarily correlate with effects. More on that later. So while I mentioned that testosterone has lots of benefits throughout the body, in this episode, I'm going to focus specifically on sexual function, starting with libido. Testosterone definitely plays a significant role in pumping up sexual desire, but it's far from the only thing that drives libido, which is why many women with very low testosterone levels have healthy libidos and fabulous sex lives. And some women with high levels don't think about sex and don't care about sex. The desire for sexual activity is multifactorial, and it's dependent not just on hormones, but also on neurotransmitters, blood flow to the genitals, and the ability to have sexual pleasure. And even if your hormones and neurotransmitters are kicking in just fine, there are plenty of other things that can sabotage your libido, medications, stress, insomnia, medical illness, the monotony of monogamy, and lots of other psychosocial issues. It also helps to have a partner you like. Case in point, a few years ago, I got a call from the husband of a patient said, my wife has absolutely no interest in sex. Can you please check her testosterone level when she comes in for her annual exam? So when his wife arrived, I mentioned her husband's phone call and she said, yeah, sure, go ahead, check my testosterone level. When I called her a few days later and announced, I think I found the problem, your testosterone level is basically zero, there was a long pause. 
And then she said, that's really interesting because I'm having amazing sex with my personal trainer twice a day. So much for testosterone levels. And that is why everyone is not going to benefit from taking testosterone. Even if postmenopausal testosterone levels are low, only around 50% of women respond to taking it, which makes sense. With all those other things impacting on libido, simply increasing testosterone levels is not going to be a quick universal fix. There are three requirements for a woman to potentially benefit from testosterone therapy. One, she needs to be in menopause. Clinical trials in premenopause women show no benefit to supplementation. Two, she needs to have a low testosterone level. And three, probably most important, low libido cannot be explained by something else. When a woman shows up in our clinic saying she has zero libido, my first question is, well, how did it go last time you tried to have sex? And more often than not, her response is, well, actually it hurt like hell. In that scenario, the solution isn't testosterone. The solution is to eliminate the pain because it is normal to not want to have sex if it hurts. Your vagina is not stupid. And if intercourse is excruciatingly painful or impossible, your vagina will tell your brain to not go there again. And there is no amount of testosterone that will make up for a partner you despise. One patient came to see me to help lose her libido, and she was going on and on about her awful husband who never wanted to spend time with her and never talked to her other than to constantly complain that she didn't want to have sex. And then she stopped mid-sentence, looked at me and said, I just realized I don't need testosterone. I need a new husband. In other words, HRT was the solution for her as in husband replacement therapy, which brings up the bigger question. Is a drug ever the answer when it comes to low libido? Well, this debate started when the FDA approved the first libido drug intended for women, flibanserin. Flibanserin or Addy is a daily pill that impacts neurotransmitters. Remelanotide, the other drug approved for low libido in women, is an on-demand injection to be used before sexual activity. This is a big topic and one that I talked about with Dr. Solomon in episode 16 and with Dr. Martin in episode 20. They both make the case, and I don't disagree, that relationship and other psychosocial factors impact on libido far more than hormone and neurotransmitter levels. But in my practice, I have found that drugs are often useful as a kickstart. The real change, though, comes from working with a therapist trained in sex and relationship. But this is the big deal. But flibanserin and bremelanotide are FDA approved and only intended for premenopause women. Testosterone, on the other hand, is intended to be used in postmenopause women whose levels have declined. So it's not the same thing. Having said that, I believe that most women, even the ones that get a libido boost from testosterone, also benefit from working with a therapist with an expertise in this area. Check out the program notes for resources to find a sex therapist. One of the most common questions that I get after I give a woman this information is, so what are the chances? What are the chances that I'm going to be in the 50% that do respond as opposed to the 50% that it makes no difference? And while there's no one test that answers that question, there are some tests that are helpful in determining if it's even worth giving it a try, starting with a total and free testosterone level. I know I mentioned earlier that serum testosterone levels correlate poorly with level of sexual interest and that there's no specific blood level that can be used to differentiate women with and without sexual dysfunction. But if someone desires testosterone therapy, I need to know where she's starting from. So while I rarely check estrogen levels prior to initiating estrogen therapy, 
I routinely check testosterone levels before starting testosterone therapy. Unlike estrogen, which is predictably low in a postmenopause woman, testosterone levels are highly variable. If your levels are in the normal range, meaning in the ballpark of where a premenopausal woman is, not only are you unlikely to respond to testosterone therapy, but you're more likely to get side effects such as acne and hair growth. If you're really low, there's more of a chance you'll be a responder. The other level I check is your sex hormone binding globulin, SHBG. Your sex hormone binding globulin level is important because it is another indication of if supplementation will work. And here's why. The majority of testosterone in women is bound to sex hormone binding globulin, which is a protein that circulates in the blood. If someone has a very high SHBG, even if I increase your total testosterone level by giving you more, most of it will just get bound to the SHBG and be inactive. So having a high sex hormone binding globulin is predictive of being a non-responder. Why would someone have a high sex hormone binding globulin? For starters, women just normally have much higher levels than men. Men have a low SHBG and high free testosterone levels. Levels are also high in very thin women, women who take birth control pills, women who are hyperthyroid or have liver problems. Also, oral estrogen therapy increases sex hormone binding globulin, but transdermal gels, creams, and patches do not. And sometimes simply switching someone from an oral estrogen to a transdermal estrogen will free up some testosterone and increase libido without adding any more testosterone. So before I start testosterone therapy, I check total testosterone, free testosterone, sex hormone binding globulin, and also thyroid function to make sure that low libido is not a consequence of an underactive thyroid. If all of those tests indicate this testosterone is a reasonable option, and there's no other explanation for low libido, the next step is to decide how to supplement testosterone. There are four potential ways to prescribe testosterone for women, pills, pellets, injections, and transdermal creams. But before I get to the differences between these products, I need to start with the fact that while there are many scientific studies and huge amounts of data showing the safety and efficacy of supplemental testosterone, currently there are no commercially available FDA-approved testosterone preparations for use in women in the United States. By the way, testosterone is approved for use in Europe. The question, of course, is why? If testosterone has been found to be a safe and effective option for women, why has it never been approved? Well, it's not like pharmaceutical companies haven't tried. Intrinsia testosterone patch was the first testosterone product intended to increase libido in women and went before the FDA in 2005, but never got FDA clearance. Libby gel, a testosterone gel intended for women, was in clinical trials for years and demonstrated an excellent safety profile. Yet in 2011, after millions of dollars, 11,000 patients, and years of those clinical trials, it did not get the FDA nod. Essentially, the FDA was not convinced that it worked beyond the placebo effect since in the clinical trials, quote, satisfying sexual experiences, end quote, increased by only two to four per month. But many experts, myself included, think that satisfying sexual experiences was not the correct endpoint to use to determine efficacy and that the outcome would have been different if the FDA had considered endpoints like desire, arousal, pleasure, and decline in personal distress. Interestingly, most women who participated in the trials indicated they would like to continue to use the product. 
The FDA also kept requiring additional long-term safety studies, which would have been prohibitively expensive. And it's hard to make an argument that the FDA was just being careful when there were only 3,000 men in the trial to get Viagra approved, but testosterone was continually rejected with more than 11,000 patients in clinical trials. At this time, no company has taken up the challenge, and an FDA-approved female testosterone product is unlikely to appear anytime soon. It's simply too expensive. Despite what the FDA says, most sexual health experts and women feel that there is value in supplementing testosterone in appropriate cases. So when a clinician such as myself writes a prescription, it is an off-label use. Off-label doesn't mean illegal or unsafe. It simply means that a drug is being prescribed for a purpose that it's not FDA approved for. As an example, birth control pills are FDA approved to prevent pregnancy, but they're also legitimately used by millions of women to prevent menstrual cramps. Since they're not approved to prevent menstrual cramps, that would be an off-label use. The major downside to prescribing off-label is that insurance doesn't always cover it. Also, the manufacturer doesn't provide instructions or dosages that are appropriate for the, for the alternative use. The commercial testosterone products on the market are only intended for and FDA approved for men who have low testosterone. Anytime a woman uses testosterone, it's off-label. So back to the four options, pills, pellets, injections, and transdermal creams. There used to be an FDA-approved pill that was a combination of estrogen and testosterone. EstraTest was approved in 1964, but it's no longer on the market. EstraTest was actually never intended to enhance libido. It was only approved for treatment of hot flashes. And the fact that it's no longer available is no big loss since oral testosterone therapy not only elevates cholesterol levels, but also increases the risk of blood clots, putting oral testosterone on the not recommended list. Also on the not recommended list are those under the skin pellets and injections. Pellets are really popular in some areas of the country, but are highly problematic. They end up resulting in unacceptably high blood concentrations. It must be emphasized that the goal of treating libido in postmenopause women is to approximate premenopause normal levels, not male levels. More is not better. And excessive levels do not show a greater sexual response, and they're much more likely to have side effects. In general, women who love pellets love them, and that's not surprising because the huge bolus of estrogen and testosterone in most pellets immediately makes someone feel sexy and energetic and overall fabulous. But over time, there are a lot of problems, including an uptick in uterine cancer from those sky-high hormone levels. While the effect from an appropriate testosterone dose won't be as dramatic, it will give you the boost you need without causing problems down the road. I and most academic menopause experts do not recommend testosterone pellets, implants, or injections. Also, the studies I mentioned earlier demonstrating the safety and efficacy of supplemental testosterone in postmenopause women, those studies were not done with pellets or injectables. They were done with testosterone patches or gels to be applied to the skin. And while there are no testosterone patches currently available, there are creams and gels, and that's what's recommended. Applying a gel or cream to the skin is currently the safest way to deliver an effective dose of testosterone to women. And since there are no FDA-approved commercial products formulated for women, I rely on transdermal gels from a compounding pharmacy. Even if you're on the right dose, 
it takes up to eight to 12 weeks to see an effect. And again, only about 50% of women feel that testosterone boosted their libido enough to continue treatment, which again, speaks to the multifactorial nature of sexual desire. So there are side effects. The list of possible side effects include acne, hair growth, and oily skin. Excessive doses of testosterone can also result in enlargement of the clitoris, but a bigger clitoris doesn't necessarily mean a more responsive clitoris. And when appropriately dosed, those side effects are really rare, which is why it's important to use supplemental testosterone only under the guidance of a physician who's familiar with off-label dosing for women. You don't want to have to borrow your husband's razor or your teenager's acne cream. Frankly, when I see those side effects, it's always in a woman who's using pellets. When a patient of mine decides to stop her testosterone, it's never because of the side effects, but simply because it wasn't working for her. But if it is working and my patient wants to keep using it, I generally check a blood level after a few months to make sure she's in the right range. This is particularly important because unlike commercial pharmacies, which have exact potency, compounding pharmacies may have some variation in the amount of testosterone you're getting. How about using those testosterone gels intended for men? Well, the advantage is it's a commercial product. The disadvantage is that women generally need only roughly one-tenth the amount guys use, and gels intended for men have a higher concentration of testosterone than what I would recommend for a woman. So dosing gets tricky. So while I do sometimes prescribe a product meant for the guys, it's not particularly convenient to use since you have to portion out such teeny amounts. Switching gears, what about using topical testosterone on the genitals for vaginal or vulvar use? Well, I mentioned earlier that the vulva and vagina are rich in testosterone receptors. Usually, if someone has genital urinary syndrome or menopause, a topical estrogen cream, ring, tablet, or insert will do the trick. Or maybe a non-estrogen option such as DHEA, spemaphine, or vaginal laser. But in women who are still dry despite local vaginal estrogen, I often use a compounded preparation that has both testosterone and estrogen. In addition to increasing lubrication elasticity, there's data that suggests that local testosterone applied to the genitals gives a nice boost to arousal and increases blood flow to the clitoris, which in turn can help with orgasm. And finally, what about if you have a breast cancer diagnosis? We have no data, zero data on the use of testosterone in women with breast cancer. But since testosterone is metabolized to estrogen, the answer is no when it comes to systemic therapy. Application of small amounts of testosterone to the vulva or to the opening of the vagina, however, is probably just fine and no more dangerous than using a local vaginal vulvar or estrogen cream, which there's a lot more information on that in segment 11, vaginal estrogen is not poison. So wrapping it all up, in summary, Testosterone supplements only improve libido in women who are postmenopause and who do not have another reason to explain their low libido. It's not going to work for everyone. Roughly 50% of women will respond to supplementation. A compounded transdermal cream or gel applied to the thigh is the safest way to go when it comes to systemic supplementation. And a local topical estrogen and testosterone cream for the vulva and vaginal opening is beneficial for many women. Testosterone in any form is only available by prescription. Your biggest challenge may be finding a doctor who's comfortable writing a prescription. Check my program notes for resources on how to find a sexual medicine expert or a menopause expert. 
I'm Dr. Lauren Stryker, and thank you for joining me. You will find lots more information in my Inside Information books available on Amazon.com. And follow Francie as she navigates her way through vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and pretty much every menopausal symptom you can think of. Just hashtag